Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 422, Mr. Samich. Turkey huzzah! I was going to maybe do a gobble gobble huzzah. That also works. Yeah, happy uh, happy early Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, if you're joining us live, uh, thank you so much for joining us. But we are previewing the Thanksgiving Day card on Thursday, November 24th at Del Mar. Only eight races, so when you do the late pick five, uh, you know, you're know you you're covering most of the cards. So it's like this is almost an entire card preview. But it's exciting because three of these five, Mike, they're on the turf. And they'll stay on the turf because it's California, which is kind of nice as well. As we get hit by snow and rain on the East Coast, the West Coast stays sunny and, and not necessarily warm, but warm enough to get some quality turf racing in. It's going to be exciting. we got uh, I got turf sprint. We've got a grade three. And then the dirt races, woof. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know we could go. I, I'm, not, I'm being serious. I didn't know we could actually go that low at Del Mar. Um, but, yeah, we're going to go pretty low in some of these. We are. We have an interesting drop or two I think we're both against, which is it's just – I'm happy that you are. I like the style. I saw your ticket. I like the style that you're playing that race. I'm completely leaving off two of the horses that I think that you considered leaving off. Um, but it's one of those spots where a couple of these turf races could end up chalky. The stakes race specifically, you're going to have a, a horse that's five or two on the morning line, probably going off sub two to one. I think you can find a way around. I understand if you want a single, but that means you have to find some value in other parts of the sequence. I think we have a an absolutely atrocious favorite. A horse I wouldn't be shocked if it won, but it's going to go off at like three to five and i wouldn't touch the horse sub five to one. Oh boy yeah uh we'll get into that in a little bit but mike like i said the delmar late pick five we're going to be previewing that and it's a big week of racing all across the country churchill downs aqueduct fairgrounds azia park is tomorrow mahoning valley was today so we're gonna have previews for every day except wednesday because the parks racing was just atrocious. But uh, other than Wednesday, every single day this week, we've got stakes coverage at racingdudes.com and youtube.com slash racingdudes. Without further ado, Mike, let's get into Del Mar Thursday, late pick five. Riders up. All right, here we go, Mike. The first leg of the late pick five at Del Mar on Thanksgiving, Thursday, November 24th. Race four, a field of eight males, three and up, going a mile and a 16th on the turf course. They're in for $25,000 tags. It is open. They just do weight allowances based on how often you've been winning. Where are you going on top? Man, I, I've liked the six-horse operate for a while. I think we actually finally found our friends the last couple races. Uh, you know, career, 17 races, three wins, four seconds. But the last three races, one win, two seconds, that since we entered this claiming level, uh, was in 25,000 our claimers last time. Lost to Southern King, but the trip was significantly worse than Southern King's trip. I don't love the price at two to one, but this is clearly the most talented horse in this field. So I'm not sure how you get around the six Opry. So I put the six on top. Yeah, I was back and forth about which horse to put on top. We both went too deep. It's interesting because four of the eight horses in here are three to one or under, and the other four are 20 to one or over. And we didn't go, or I'm sorry, 12 to one. I'm sorry, Niles Channel. Don't mean to offend you. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, we're not, we're, we're going short here. We're using two horses at short prices because this doesn't feel like a spot to pick a bomb. Uh, I, I didn't put Opry second, but I thought you nailed it. He's right at the right class level. And you notice he was voided last time out, the 25K claim. So, 
he would have been claimed for the third straight race and really the third straight time he was ever offered for a claim in his career. He was voided, but that was just back uh, literally a month ago as of today on Monday when we're recording this. In, in California, to get when you have a voided claim, especially when you're a six-year-old gilding, your ass goes right on a vet's watch list and they watch you very closely when you work out and you have to pass the vet's tests or the vet's eyes to be able to continue racing. That was just a month ago. He has two very solid works, uh, including the best of 38 on the Santa Anita dirt. So I think all signs are good for Opry at two to one. This is where we're going to diverge. My third choice is who you went with. Tell me about the one first premio. Yeah, my third choice is who you went with, the seven. So I, to me, it was who's the best closer. That, that's really what I looked at. Opry is going to be out on the lead with Southern King. That leaves first Romero and Overdue coming from off the pace. So it's all about which off the pace horse you want. I, I assume you ended up in a similar handicap as me where it's okay. Opry over Southern King. Now I need to pick either first Romero or Overdue in this spot. And to me, first Romero is the one that I went with. Uh, dropping in class here, never been offered this cheap at $25,000 level before, has a lot of consistent efforts, doesn't win as much as I would like, and that probably is the mm-hmm. biggest knock specifically in the last two years. Because this horse is 7 for 34 lifetime, but just 1 for 12 in the last two years, which means that we were 6 for 22 through 2020, and we really tailed off a little bit. However, a lot of good efforts, gets close to the front, doesn't always get the job done, but at least gets close. And I like the distance here. We haven't been in a mile of 16th in a long time. The last time we ran in a mile of 16th was back on February 27, 2021. You see some mile races. You see a mile in an eighth race. You see some mile in three sixteenth races. I'm sorry, last time was March, May 31st, 2021. Uh, but this distance specifically, first Primero, three for eight lifetime. So I think this mile of 16th distance is a good distance for first Primero. You're going to get the pace set up. If it's not Operator Southern King up front, I think first Romero is the horse that has the best shot at coming from off it to get the job done here. Uh, he and the seven overdue, who like you had mentioned, was my second pick and your third here. They're both coming out of the same race, dropping out of that 40K level, going a mile at Santa Anita. In an interestingly run race, Mecklenburg, your winner, went gate to wire and was at least two lengths ahead of every single horse at every single point of call. And in that race, you saw first premium was chasing. He was probably, he basically was leading the second charge there and overdue was right there with him. I think they were both a little too forwardly placed in that spot. So the fact that they both showed some speed and then quit, especially with overdue, I'm not worried about that because like you said, we're both looking for the horse we think is coming from off the pace. For me, I went to three back when it was a non-winners of uh, one race in the last year, 32K tag. Reese Bully was aboard the seven for Phil D'Amato at the win coming from off the pace. You scratch off that next one. It was rained off. The, it was weird. It was rained off the turf. Uh, so forget that. And then I talked about his last race there. Uh, for me, this I think this is where he fits. But Phil D'Amato and Umberto Rispoli, specifically on turf at Del Mar, 28% winners, 63% in the money, and a 231 ROI. I mean, you know that Rispoli is riding a lot of shorter priced horses because it's D'Amato on turf at Del Mar. So that's where I went. But again, if, if you're listening to this, if you if you couldn't decide, if you want to go short, I'm singling in the third leg. Boy, if you want to eat eat some shock here, one six seven. I don't think that's a bad play either, Mike. Yeah, it's interesting because the overdue has races that win this. They're just not. They don't show up as consistently as first Primero. So I think that was the other part of it for me is that I know what effort I'm going to get from first Primero. Overdue, you seem to have these these high highs and these low lows. And so it's it's hey, do you do you want to assume you're getting that high high or do you want the more consistent horse in this spot? But look, I I think either any way you look at this, we're both against the eight Southern Kings five to two on the morning line. Got a perfect trip last time going gate to wire. Yeah. And and still, Opry would have beaten him without the trouble Opry had 
Uh, I think it was mid-turn, essentially. So uh, you have trouble for the horse that we're both playing. I, I don't like Southern King at all here at 5-2. to two. So I think if you can avoid Southern King, go too deep here, it sets up for decent ticket structure. Yeah, and I think uh, the fact that we're also going a mile in the 16th, I think that might, he's never gone, uh, he's never successfully caught a mile in the 16th. So I'm with you. I think Southern King got just the, the right setup last time. Uh, even though we both love Hector Berrios, uh, we're not going to use him here. Speaking of horses that you, you don't always know what they're going to do, let's look at the second leg of the late pick five at Del Mar. Uh, race five. Oh, boy. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is going to be a race five. Seven fillies and mares, four and up. They're going five and a half furlongs on the dirt. They're in for $8,000 tags. I, I honestly, I'm not being mean. I didn't think Santa Anita and Del Mar wrote Turfway Park low sal races. But here we are. Uh, it's, it's hard. Where are you going on top? I thought this was the toughest race in the, in the sequence, which is wild because it's seven and it's, it's, you know, it shouldn't be that hard to pick a six furlong dirt sprint. I put the two roses or blue on top um, for the simple reason that the two is the only horse that makes up any ground late. And this is a race filled with horses that love to quit, love to go. And I, I this just screams meltdown to me. It just, you have the the one horse who's going to want to be forwardly placed with Maldonado up. You've got the three horse who likes to be forwardly placed, not a ton of speed. You've got the uh, five horse who's going to go. You've got the six horse who wants to go. You've got the seven horse who wants to go. None of them want to stick around. Uh, and the only horse I didn't mention is that four. Well, the four sucks. So that leaves me with the two horse who's the only one who wants to actually close any ground here. I'm getting six to one. I can point back to a couple races we're also dropping down from the $20,000 level all the way to the bottom of this $8,000 level. Uh, we were successful at the distance, two for four. We've had a win over Delmar. In a race where there's a lot to dislike, there's enough to like about the two for me to put it on top. And you're getting a nice price at six to one. I didn't use, but I'm not going to poo-poo anybody for saying anything about any horses in here because they're if you like a horse, go for it. I went with the five on top. Where's Frankie? Uh, nine to five. Jonathan Wong bringing this horse back in was at Turfway Park and then Canterbury Park uh, for a long time. Four wins and nine for 11 in the money at this distance. I think that's pretty key. She's seven for 12 on fast dirt, which you know she's going to get. Uh, Ramon Vasquez is riding. He's one of the, the top riders in California easily right now. I, she's fast early, and I like that we're coming back from actually routing a mile at Canterbury last time out. And we lost to a horse in Midnight Garden. For the second straight time, before that, she won four straight races. And you know, this is the first time that she's actually eligible to be claimed since January 1st when she was in for $8,000. And that was going two turns at Golden Gate Fields. I think this is a, a, I think this is actually an easier spot than what she was facing with the Canterbury horses, the Turfway Park horses. So uh, I went over here. I think that she's fast early, and everyone else I think is going to quit either in the turn or right at the quarter pole. I think she's still going to have enough left to keep going. I can't. This is the class of the field, right? Like as messed up as that sounds. Perfectly said. And then they, she's just she's the classiest filly in this this field of no class. And so I, I, five is the other one I end up going here. I think where Frankie makes a ton of sense. Uh, like you mentioned, dropping into the claiming ranks for the first time in a long time, and there is just there there are warts with all these other horses. <laughs> Where's Frankie, you know, likes to win. I, I don't think needs the lead to win, which is important because there is, like I mentioned, a lot of speed in this spot. Uh, and, and, you know, I think Dennis brings up a good point. This is Jonathan Wallen's bread and butter. He's very good in these type of races. Uh, when he places horses here, he does so very diligently. So I like the fact that we're, we're, we're coming in here. We're trying to get a win at Santa Anita. He doesn't mind if this horse gets claimed because we've gone through a lot of the conditions you could uh, with Where's Frankie without trying to get back in these lower level claiming stuff. So I, 
the five makes a ton of sense. Deserving favorite. I'm only going to go too deep here. I'm going to take a shot with the two, who I think is the right price with the right setup. And I'm going to take the five, who I think is the, the classiest horse in this $8,000 claimers. <laughs> I love that. Uh, the other one I went with is the one righteously at three to one. And I almost singled the five here, but I was like, I can't single, even if it's Jonathan Wong and it fits, I can't single at this level. Uh, but we've got the the one righteously here. It's inside speed. Edwin Maldonado is, it, it, in my mind, the best gate jockey in California. Um, the horse is two for five at Del Mar, four for 21 on fast start, three for 11 at the distance, and uh, six for 11 in the money. So I think that there are races you can point at where, yes, it fits. Yes, she could win this. It is crazy that she's at the end of her four-year-old season and she's making her 28th career start, but she's a she's a battle horse. She's not a, a superstar battle horse, but she is a battle horse. So uh, she hasn't been down to this $8,000 level ever. Uh, if you look at the time when she was up for 10K at Los Sal going five and a half, she had a pretty good effort. Uh, came from off the pace and just missed by half length. I, man, I had to make a case for it. I, it was it, it was stretching it. I could feel myself stretching it. But I, to me, this is who fits in second. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't hate it. I, I had the seven and the one as the other considerations for me, um, both of which are just, hey, if, if two horses miss the break and they get loose, they could win type horses, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. really what you could see here where if the, the seven, I think, is actually the key to the race because I think the seven is the fastest horse. I don't think that mm -hmm. all six horses on the inside let the seven clear, right? So if the seven does clear, all of a sudden the seven gets a little dangerous because we're dropping down in class and we're showing speed against better. So I, I, I don't hate the idea of the seven. The one is the other one, also dropping down a little bit here. It has that rail speed where if the seven doesn't break, Maldonado is going to try and get this one horse out and try and go gate to wire. So the one and the seven are the wild cards to me because I do think both have enough speed to clear the rest of the field without – the other one involved. So if it comes to Thursday and either the one or the seven scratched, I maybe end up using whichever one's left because they, they may be able to take a field with, with speed in a lot of spots, but mediocre speed in a lot of spots, gate to wire. <laughs> uh, great point on the pace set up there. The set, we both avoided the seven, I think for the same reason, uh, a race you actually can say with, you know, true heart and, and, and uh, dedication. The third race here, we have a true classy horse, and that is the Seven Sister O'Toole. She's headlining the Great Through Red Carpet Handicap, which headlines the Thanksgiving Day card. They're going a mile and three eighths on the turf, and this horse literally just won over this course and distance two back in an ungraded stakes race. She's back in for Grand Motion. Reese Bully is back aboard. I singled her here. I know you're going three deep, but at least talk to me about Sister O'Toole first. How often do you see? A grade three smushed in between an eight thousand and sixteen thousand dollar claiming races. Like it's just a very odd pick three sequence. We're like, hey, let's go eight K claimers five and a half on the dirt. Then let's have a grade three on the turf. And then let's throw a sixteen non winners or two back on the dirt to round out our nice little pick three with our, our Thursday Thanksgiving Day feature. Yeah, look, I, I put Sister O'Toole on top, but I, I don't. I don't love this horse just from a price perspective. Five to two on the morning line. You're probably going to get sub two to one on this spot. Uh, there's not a bunch of world beaters in here. This is probably one of the weaker grade threes I've seen in a while. But Sister O'Toole doesn't like to win. I mean, that's that's one of my biggest knocks on this horse. Two for 13 in the last two years. Been in a ton of graded stakes, but struggles to hit the board in those graded stakes when you've seen them. Now we're coming back. And, and yes, has won over this distance, this field, this distance. But beat Scarbia in that race by a half a length. I'm not using Scarbia here. So <laughs> I, if I'm not using the six, I have to think the seven has at least some chinks in the armor there, especially at the price you're going to end up getting. 
Uh, for me, it was uh, for Sister O'Toole. I went back and watched uh, the CTT and TOC stakes, and I thought that I thought that she was better than Scarabia was. I know it was a half length, but it, for me, she had her measured pretty much the entire stretch and wasn't going to let Scarabia uh, get past her. I also really like the Dowager Stakes at Keeneland. You remember Temple City Terror? We watched that and we're like, she, she could go to the Breeders' Cup Field of like Not with a big chance, but it was such an impressive effort at Keeneland that we were blown away by that. And you don't have a Temple City Terror right here. Uh, you're not going to have a horse like Luck Money that you have to chase down. And we're cutting back a furlong here. So you see that she'd flatten a little bit. All right, we're second off a little break, just like we were when we came in for the CTT and TOC Stakes. And we're going to be at this distance, which she seems to like. I, yes, she had trouble winning a lot earlier in her career, but when we ship an East Coast horse to California, you can have some confidence here. So uh, I went with her here. Who was the the other two horses that you used? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there too, right before I jump into that. It's the East Coast horse coming West. We talked about a grand motion. I think it was last week on the show. When he brings these horses over here, they're live. They're tough to beat. And that that's the case here with Sister O'Toole. I went to our boy Barrios Hector on the three Quattrelle. Quattrelle. Um, Quattro L. Sure, there it is. Um, I really like the last race. I think this four-year-old is starting to really come into her own, and that was one of my main reasons for liking her here. Uh, if you look at the last four races since a long layoff, she keeps getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. Uh, since Barrios came aboard, one win, one second, has a, 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 has a second over this Del Mar turf in three efforts. I don't think the distance is going to be an issue at all. I thought that she actually flourished going that extra eighth of a mile last time, going from a mile to a mile and eighth. I don't think these extra two eighths will hurt her in any way, shape, or form. I think she has enough tactical speed to sit close, but still be able to kick on when they turn for home. And so I, I like the setup here for the three quattrelle. And then I went to the uh, the eight horse here as well, Queen of the Temple. Uh, I realize we've lost to Divot Day. We've lost to Dramatizer. A couple horses in here. All of that was mid-season here. Blacker's second off the layoff is very good. 17% second off the off on the layoff in these type of kind of situations. The fact that we came out in the grade one Rodeo drive, that kind of blew me away. It told you how good this horse was doing, because that is a very aggressive placement for Blacker to put go right into the grade one in that spot. Now we're dropping down to a grade three. Again, I don't have any issues with the distance. I think this horse is, is all systems go here. And I like Temple Cities going longer. I like the second off the layoff aspect of it. And I like the price. I like the six to one price on it. So see if we can get around Sister O'Toole here. I think you gotta kind of have to use Sister O'Toole, but I like the idea of trying to take a couple shots against, especially since we're just gonna completely leave off the favorite in the next. Uh, Queen of the Temple. Rodeo Drive should not be a grade one race anymore. Going to Vegas has won it two straight years in both years. Uh, who she beat? Not that great. She beat Fluffy yeah. Socks, who didn't hit the board, and, and you correctly were like, "Don't play Fluffy Socks anywhere in the Forever Together Stakes." I think it was at Aqueduct. Uh, well, luckily, by the way, great job! You, you had Mr. Karras winning that at a price. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, I mean Fluffy Socks scratch, so it made it a lot easier to get around her. Um, but yes, oh, Mr. Karras. <laughs> yeah, that made it. That's why I uh, saw the order of finish, and they just had her listed at like sixth or something. Yeah, no, she ended up scratching. But Mr. Cars there, 8 to 1 in the morning line. Horse went gate to wire, as expected. That was a nice price there. Um, yeah, look, you're right. That that race was not wonderful. I'm more worried about what Blacker thinks of the horse and the placement there because that, to me, shows the confidence in the horse to go into that level of a race. And then now you're coming back on a grade three second off later in the four-year-old season. Uh, all reasons you think that the horse could improve. And I kind of like the fact that Queen of the Temple runs her career-high buyer in that race where she is being pushed outside of her comfort zone. So it, it kind of validates why Blacker put her there. 
wasn't good enough to get the job done. Don't love the fact that her two best buyers come in great stakes when she didn't win. We talk about that a lot, where those could be kind of faulty sometimes underneath. But the fact that we went there, she ran well, and now we're coming back to another great stakes tells me that uh, he believes in Queen of the Temple, so I will too. Uh, a horse I wanted to use, and I, if the two, I'm going to have to rework my ticket if the two scratches. Slightly worried about the five, Bell Street Bridie, because you have a horse that was running forwardly placed over consistently overseas, going long distances, and Flavian Pratt is hopping aboard. Uh, it, it's interesting that these owners, uh, Red Baron's Barn, Rancho Temescal, who also have the three, when they do these overseas purchases with Euros, they send them to Jeff Mullins. Jeff Mullins has great stats in spots like this first time in North America. We're going to talk about one in two races here. But there, there's all these things to like. There's something weird. Zero recorded works, not even DRF or Equibase. Not on the turf, the turf, the training track, nothing since coming to California. And then her career best time form, which came last time out, was 86. You translate it to a buyer, you're looking at low 70s like low to mid 70s at, at, at really best. So, uh, and the circus she was running on in Great Britain, she wasn't at Ascot, she wasn't at York, like she was not at the top tracks. And yet, if the two scratches, I think she's lone speed and it's pride aboard and you know I'm a sucker for that. Yeah, this one's just a mystery because you mentioned this horse is in Glatz Barn, right? It's not in Mullins Barn, which is a, a head scratcher in itself. And then, and then Pratt takes them out, which surprises you. I, I mean, but you look at the stats here and just, just glad is 0 for 10 first time in North America. His barn is ice cold right now, 1 for 15 at the meet. I mean, it, it's just, it's hard to swallow what I think will be less than 4 to 1. Because I wouldn't be shocked if this is one of those horses that starts to get some buzz and people, oh, it's the European coming over and oh, you get Pratt aboard. And all of a sudden, you're, you're this is your second choice at, at 5 to 2. And then I really don't have any interest in this horse. It's one of those where it's like, hey, look, and we'll talk about this in the next race. If, if the four wins, I lose. I'm sorry, if the five wins, I lose. That's fine. I have no issue losing to a horse like this. So I think it's going to get over bet. I just, I, I hear you on the lone speed side. I never trust first time European horses as lone speed because the pace is just so different from the Europe to circuit, specifically to the Del Mar circuit. It's just like, how can you, you realistically say, well, if a horse is forwardly placed in Europe and there's no speed in the U.S., that horse is still going to make the lead. It, it's tough because they, they go a lot slower over there. The, the ground is very different, especially without the workouts, which I thought was very odd as well. How do you not have any workouts of, of record on either place? How, what, do you, what do you base this, this horse's movement off of? That's exactly. And part of me, like the conspiracy theorist and the, the, the one that loves Flavin Pratt and Mark Glad, honestly, is hoping that they're like, we have a Lamborghini with a Maserati underneath it, like in this horse, and we're going to hide her. And then we put her in this stakes or uh, in this stakes race. Yeah. For her debut in America and look the F out, but show me one race on her page that remotely hints that that's possible. Wouldn't this horse be in the Mullins born if that was the case though? Or D'Amato. Like, yeah. like if this horse is with D'Amato, by the way, she's like, I, I think we're looking at uh, Sistro Tool might not be the favorite. Well, then that's the thing. It's like it's such a head scratcher. All of these different, you know, variables yeah. line up in such an odd manner that you're like, well, I guess I could include her because she's the unknown. But like based on if again, if this horse is 15 to one morning line, I thought was legitimately going to go off at 10 to one. Completely different conversation. Yeah, but we're sitting at a four to one morning line. It's probably gonna go off at five to two, and I just, I, I I'll lose if that horse wins. Oof, I'm with you. All right, Mike, let's move on. At least I, we're on the same page here. That makes me feel better. Penultimate leg of the late pick five at Del Mar on Thursday, November 24th, race seven. We're back on the dirt. Nine males, three and up. Not eight. Nine males, three and up. Sprinting six furlongs. 
Uh, nine winners of two lifetime, like Mike said earlier. Uh, yeah, screw this race. I hit the all button. <laughs> well, I mean, we have to start out with Nolo Contesto, right? That has yes. to be the beginning of this conversation because you've got a horse that has never been in for a tag that ran in the grade one San Diego Derby, the grade three Matt Wynn Derby, uh, is coming off of a layoff that is a little over a year at this point, essentially last seen October 16, 2021, uh, dropping from, you know, N1X optional, which, by the way, we could not get through that condition for the life of us. We're still one for 15 career with seven seconds. And we're going to be a sub even money favorite, right? He was favored against Tiz Magician. I remember him beat, like, Tiz Magician beat this horse at one point. I forgot that he was favored to do it. Uh, this is the rare Rona Sadler horse that uh, can't beat Tiz Magician on the dirt, apparently. So I'm uh, not bitter about anything. Yeah, no, this horse, like, he's too, if you ignore his debut, which came at Del Mar, he's got two seconds and two tries here. Uh, you know, both times it was going longer. I'm concerned six furlongs. It's like, why six furlongs for this horse? Uh, he showed some good, you know, if you look at his his works, there's bullets. They're deceiving bullets because they're at low sale and it's a quarter horse track. But he did have that 58 and three from the gate. So it tells me he'll be up there early. I just don't. Six furlongs, Mike, you just need too much turn of foot, I think. Even at this low basement level, you, you need enough turn of foot to actually, like, accelerate at some point. And I don't know that he ever has a button that says go faster. He just goes. Hey, this just screams especially that last work 58 bullet claim me and I, but I'm going to suck. Like that's what it screams is that like we're, we're taking an unrealistic drop, an overly aggressive drop. We're training the shit out of this horse. First off the layoff, someone dip in and grab this horse because we don't want any part of them anymore. Because if you're Ronus and you're putting this thing in for 16, you're assuming this horse is getting claimed, right? You don't think you're going to be able to then wheel this back into, to, you know, start allowances or anything like that. You are assuming you're losing this horse. Yeah, I mean, I count eight. I count eight other trainers in this race who would love to have a horse like him for sixteen k that they can run back and start or allowances, run back for sixteen, twenty, thirty two k. You can get a lot of life out of this horse if he has anything left in the tank. He's about to turn seven. And the price is. What do you think Nola Contesta goes off at? Seven to five. I mean, I, I think it's going to be shorter than that. And all of yeah. that means I have no interest in betting this horse. This horse can win. Again, if it wins, it beats me. I'm fine with it. Because in the long run, you will lose money betting horses like Nolo Contesto in this spot. It's just it's not a good spot to be betting on this horse. Let's uh, Can we talk about my topic, who is one of the four that you used here, uh, and is a big price on the rail, Rogue Sun at 15 to 1. I think this horse is really sneaky here. Uh, we're seeing him uh, second off of, or I'm sorry, second time facing winners. He came back from a long break, one at the maiden 20 level, which is the same thing as this level. Uh, Ghost now winners a two lifetime against 32K at Del Mar. Uh, he had a wide trip throughout. It wasn't his spot, but the way that he won from the rail, saving ground and rallying, going six furlongs at Santa Anita, it gives me a lot of hope here. And something that you taught me uh, too, Mike, is to watch for what they do with the horse when they claim them out of a maiden race. Claims them for 20, right back up to 32. We're like, hey, we think this horse has got some ability. Okay, we're not that good or not that good yet. Back down to 16K, but it's a cow bread that they continue to run in these open ranks. So uh, that all kind of caught my attention. These horses, most of them will quit right quit hard at the half mile pole this horse we know is going to keep coming yeah i i like the one quite a bit here it's my second pick in the race um that race two back like you mentioned breaking from the rail being able to close i thought was really impressive especially off the layoff that was the first time that horse had ran in six months only his second career start we talk about 
what you win at claiming, you know, maiden claiming 20 and then jumps up to, to 32 non 2 L. That's a pretty significant jump. Now we're back down to 16,000 N2L. That's more of what that 20 maiden claimers is, is going to fill with generally. I mean, so you, the, the rule of thumb is half the maiden claiming price is the equal level as the claiming price, right? So 10K, 10, 20K maiden claimer, 10K claimer. 16 is about the right level because of how the claiming works out in, in California and the purse structure and the, the amount you can claim horses for. Eight is too low for this horse. 12, they don't run that often. So the 16 is kind of that sweet spot of what I would expect. And I like the fact that we've shown that professionalism and been able to come from off the pace. There's quite a bit of pace in here, especially if we think Nola Contesto is going to go, especially if the nine goes. Outside pace, pushing forward, sets up that rail trip again for the one year. Uh, so I, I like the one Rogue Sun quite a bit. I had the three, nice guy Clay on top. Uh, this horse is only the second time we've seen this horse who's going to be in for this claiming rank. The first time was two back at Santa Anita, open claiming company, $32,000 N2X. Every other time, face state bred optional 20K N1X or broke its maiden. We get my boy Barrios Hector aboard. Love him. Love the fact that we're sitting in this spot. I think has the ability to be tactical, like that original win over at Los Alamitos going five and a half, and then make the move. I think that's the trip we're going to look for here. This is by far the weakest field he's faced. Uh, so I, I think the three nice guy clay has a big shot in here at three to one. I had him as my second choice. You got two more. Keep going. Yeah, um, I'm going to go to the... Well, I'm going to go to the four horse next year. So I'm told. Uh, first off the claim for Lorenzo Ruiz, 13% overall. He's 16% off the claim. I like the fact that we have a bullet workout at Los Alamitos post-claim. And now we're coming right back here, rolling back into that $16,000 claiming level again. It's a three horse who has every right to be able to take a step forward. Interested to that we're staying on the dirt here because we've had all these turf races, but we're going to stick it out on the dirt here. This is one of those where first off the claim, I'm willing to take a shot at these horses taking a step forward for a barn, especially when I think that we are going uh, from a barn, you know, Eddie Freeman, not not terrible, but to me, not wonderful. And then you jump over here into uh, the Ruiz barn, who's got a higher percentage. I'm hoping that the first off the claim can wake this horse up again. Another one who has the ability to be tactical and close. And I think that five and a half is just a little too short last time as well. I mean, this horse is not one that's been forwardly placed at a mile. Yeah, we're only a length and a half off at five and a half. Uh, it's logical that we're going to give it up there and quit a little bit. So I think the six furlong distance may be a little bit better because you can be close to the pace without not going as fast as that five and a half. Um, and then I'm going to round it out with the seven horse here, uh, Gator Shining. Uh, this is uh, Quinn Howley with Rispoli up. This one to me is the big dropper, right? You've got some of the races there at, uh, at, at Del Mar where we're in it for this level and didn't show a ton of ability. But now we're getting back here later in the four-year-old season. We, I think, have seen some significant improvement off of those races. And if I go back to that race back on November 26, 2021, as a three-year-old at Del Mar, that race is good enough to win this in my mind. And I think this horse has improved quite a bit. So I'm not as worried about the lack of dirt form because there is something in the back that I can point to for it. And again, we're getting back to where our friends are. The last couple of races, I think, a little bit over our head. Now we're getting back down to the level that I'm more interested in and has a chance, depending on what Nolo Contesto does, to be the inside speed here as well. I wouldn't be shocked if Gator Shining just sends and tries to hold in this spot. I like the price. I like the jockey. So I'm going to take four shots against essentially Nolo Contesto and Saudi, who I think are both horses I have no interest in, who are going to be the two shortest prices on the board. 
one race that caught my attention for the seven gator shining was almost a year ago to this day november 26th so the same thanksgiving weekend going five and a half Still not winners of two lifetime. We've been at this rank for uh, quite a while, but that's okay. Since since actually two years ago when we won at Del Mar again. But uh, yeah, the, that race right there shows me that this horse can sit there on the front end and, and not quit out. And that's a big thing is, is just worrying about these horses. You got to figure out which one isn't just going to throw in the anchor. Um, I want to bring up one horse that I actually might. <laughs> I wanted to make sure we talked about, and I'm so glad Bree brought up. The number two Sayers, and I want to talk about this horse because they are literally throwing everything that they ca- they can at the wall, hoping something sticks. You have a bug boy in for the 10-pound break. You have a lower claiming tag so that you're in for even lower weight. Blinkers off because blinkers weigh things, so you can you know lower weight also l- to let the horse just go loose. If Aguilar doesn't quarter horse the shit out of Sayers when those gates pop open to try and get a lead and try and get a little bit of distance, Never put this guy on a horse again. That's the only way this is winning. This is the trainer is telling you, Hori Parabon's like, the only way this horse has a chance is just to go. There's a sneaky gate work on 1117 from the gate at Santa Anita. And I say sneaky because the last couple of weeks, that track has reportedly playing very slow, very deep for horses. So the fact that that horse was able to do what he did from the gate and has this kind of uh, potential, and we're seeing all these things to try and put, you know, just give it every ounce of early speed it can. I, at twenty to one, I mean, this is this honestly, this is horses. One of the reasons I was like, I think I got to hit the all button. Yeah, I don't hate it. I mean, I could make a case for the five as well. Star Sailor, five to one on the board. I mean, the six it would be the tough one in my mind to make a case for. But you don't really want to hit all but one and leave off a thirty to one shot because then you feel like a real jackass when that thirty to one <laughs> shot wins. Um, so I, I, I don't dislike the all button here. I, some people are like, hey, play all but the eight and the nine, or play all but the eight, right? That is not smart. Like if you're gonna, if you're gonna go yeah. stay nine here, just use all nine. Um, but I yeah, look the two horse. I wouldn't be shocked if that horse at least gives you a thrill heading into the top of the stretch. The trainer of the six, I was like, I don't recognize. First of all, it's Jay Hernandez Jr. If you don't give me a first name, I can't. I don't really have anything to work with here. But uh, the the it's a Los Al trainer has never in the last five years has not won a single race outside of Los Al. And that was like, not that the LRC Los Al. I'm talking the LA nighttime quarter horse slash thoroughbred. So if you had to leave one horse off, maybe the six. You know what screams sprint pedigree? A son of Giants Causeway out of a daughter of English Channel. Yeah, dirt sprint. Here we go. That's that's a horse that just, that's a horse that just needs to be retired and be somebody's lovable pet because... There's there's just nothing going well for that horse. Uh, what's going well for us, Mike? We got one more leg here. Let's move on. The fifth and final leg at Del Mar on Thursday, November 24th. Race eight, a field of nine maiden juvenile fillies, plus one also eligible sprinting five furlongs on the turf. Uh, that also eligible, Jay Hernandez Jr. train. Don't give it a shot. Uh, where are you going on top? <laughs> I, we got to talk about the one, obviously, because we mentioned a little. But I went with the six on top. Hazani, uh, not just because it sounds like Hazah, but uh, look, this is a barn that doesn't often get him out that well. Not known for first-time starters, just 4%. But this is a, a daughter of Tappet, right? It stands for $185,000 out of an unbridled song mare. And the workouts, to me, are just phenomenal. I mean, you have that, that work. The last one is the one that jumps out, 47-3, out of a gate. But if you go back, we've got a 35-2. and two, uh, We've got a 35-flat at Del Mar, almost eight back. We've got a 47 and change. Just consistently very fast workouts in a race where 
I'm not positive where the speed comes from, right? You've got the horse to the outside, the seven, who I'm going to use, who showed speed going six uh, furlongs last time. The horse right to the inside, the five, showed speed, but did so going a mile. I'm not sure if we're going to show that same speed with Mike Smith aboard going the six or going the five here over the Del Mar turf. I think this six could be an absolute blitz of a horse. And you get Joe Bravo up, who I was told by you is one of the only four jockeys that can win over this turf course. Um, so I'm going to put the six horse Hazani on top here for uh, Engler and Bravo. I'm trying to do the math right now. I think it's actually up to seven because Pratt and Velasquez both came back. So it's, the number is a little higher. But Joe Bravo, especially on turf, is somebody you give a lot of attention to. I don't understand what Jeff Engler is doing here. And I don't mean that in a mean way. Jeff Engler is... Um, hey, he hits two-year-olds at like Belterra Park or uh, to Horseshoe Indianapolis or, or Charlestown, Mahoney Valley. He gets them like these little $5,000 two-year-olds. And he's kind of like Chapman. And he'll go to these big races and try and get them graded placed and then flip them. He's showing up here with a two-year-old who is owned and bred by Wertheimer and Frere, who had a uh, happy saver. They have a lot of big horses all over the world. They're a, a global operation. But it's also a homebred by Tappet out of number. This is a very, very well-bred horse and has great chances. Again, nothing against Jeff Engler. I don't know what the hell he's doing here with this horse, but you're getting Bravo aboard. You absolutely need to use the six Hazan. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's just it's another head scratcher. Now let's talk about the one, the Wild Grazer, because this is the Mullins horse that came overseas that you're like, hey, wait a second. No, this is this makes sense. This is this specific group we talked about who did not use Mullins in the stakes race, who do use Mullins here. You talked about, oh, where were they running? Look, Karat, this is a running in good tracks in Ireland versus running in the bad tracks. And you're, you're going Mullins. You get Hernandez aboard. You've got a bullet work two back. By the way, Mullins, 17% first time North America versus the big old goose egg for the trainer that we talked about in the uh, in the stakes race. So I, I don't love the price. I, and I'm surprised the morning line, honestly, is this aggressive. I wasn't expecting six to five when you go through this race. But I, I see why you want to use that horse. Now, how is the inside post bend at Del Mar in these turf sprints? You used to spit numbers at me from the inside two posts the Delmar and Sandy is it still been as dominant in these turf sprints uh let me look right now that's funny I didn't actually have that uh five furlong they're two for eight I mean we've only had eight races so far this meet but two of the eight races were one from the inside from the rail uh post two has a win and post three also has a win so four for eight from post one through three so you got to think that the post, well, you would think it's a detriment for a, a two-year-old sprinting. It may not be such a detriment to be breaking from the rail here. That's That was the main point of that. No, it's great. Also, uh, notice who the horse, it, it's a filly, who she lost to last time out. It was against males, Victoria Road. Remember Victoria Road won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf? Uh, pretty good horse in his own right there. Uh, you nailed everything else that I love about this. Juan Hernandez getting back, or getting back, getting aboard for this horse is also great too because he's just one of the best that we have right now. Um, uh, you know what? We're going to talk about the too cute Chloe because you didn't use her. I did. Hector Barrios riding. Uh, if you watch that, uh, the original, st the first start, she broke from the rail, was last out of the gate, going six furlongs, had a lot of traffic in the turn. Split horses in the lane, and then the winner who won Ragtime Rose extremely heavily favored. This horse was really able to narrow the gap considerably in the stretch. Now, 30 to 1 debut, 5 to 2 for this race. Part of the reason why the 1 is 6 to 5 is because the 2 is 5 to 2. Like, there really isn't that much to make you excited betting wise here. So, I understand if you're concerned about winning funeral. I also understand if you're concerned that it's Shelby Ruiz, who's uh, her two year old stats. They're not what they used to be. She used to be good with two-year-olds. Lately, uh, 
Papa Papa Mick isn't giving her the best stock for two year olds. I used to like betting Shelby Ruiz. Now I uh, now I curse myself whenever I do it. Just eight percent so far on the year. This is the most overbet trip in horse racing. The horse that misses the break that everyone sees that then rushes up and runs a great second. We have absolutely no idea what happens if Hugh Chloe has to run a fast opening quarter. And especially when they do it on debut against two-year-olds, you have no idea what the rest of that field is like. This this horse, everyone just gets excited about. It's the obvious trip trouble. It's the obvious horse. You can watch the replay. Oh, it's going to be a monster next time out. I, like, uh, if it's Shelby Ruiz and it's this type of horse, I can't bet it. This I just cannot take the price you're going to get. And you can see here, we're all the way in the back of the pack. And so all of a sudden, well, I realize this, this is kind of counterintuitive. The one has an advantage on everybody else who's up front now. Because the one horse gets to go slower early. So guess who's not as tired late? The one horse, right? And so that, that's right. kind of what you see here from, from this trip is where you kind of you get into the motions of it. And then you make this big move and you end up running second. And it's just like, all right, well, that, that's a, a, a decent debut. And, yeah, we're breaking from the rail. Well, now we're breaking from the two-hole. But, hey, the rail wasn't even that bad in that spot. To me, this is a, a horse that was 30-1 to 1 that should probably be around the 10-to-1 range. And you're going to have to swallow 5-2 to if you want to go for it. I. All great analysis. I'm laughing because in the chat, Chris Mel is losing his mind because I was talking about horses that Warhammer and Frere owned, and he's mad that we didn't include Spinoff, who was second in the 2019 Louisiana Derby and never ran a good race after that. Um, sorry. It is funny, though, because he said, ah, Spinoff would have beat her. Spinoff would have won this race. Uh, you won that race. I agree. <laughs> Um, I, listen, it is an angle I usually like to bet against, but there's a, there's not a lot that I loved in here. The last one for me, and I'll throw back to you, Mike. The number five, Shirley's Bane, six to one. This is a daughter of Justify who was routing her first two starts, and you would think that she's out of an empire maker mare. But I really, I'm going to use her because I like the fact that she showed a lot of good early speed going two turns. Now, if we can get her to ration that speed, or maybe hell, she can come from off the pace a little bit, we can try that here. But horses showing good speed early when they're going two turns, and now we're coming back to one turn. We're not buried on the rail this time. I think it's I think it's an interesting spot. I think her price is going to float up from six to one a little bit. I got Mike Smith issues here. That's my main yeah. problem. I, I just don't want to back Mike Smith on a horse that I think is going to take some money. I think a lot of people are going to see what you saw and just say, hey, horse showed speed, but quit. So we're going to short it down. Maybe this horse can run well. Uh, Princess Bettina, the horse that won that race, was a monster price. Uh, that was not a very good race. So I, I'm also kind of questioning what's coming out of that one. So I, I can see why the six is going to take money. It's just not money, my money that's going to take in this spot. Um, I did go to the seven, Sweet Tessa. This is one where you, you showed that replay. Sweet Tessa was 30 to 1 in that race. I'm going to get 15 to 1 here. What is Tim Yachtin not good at? Oh, boy. How much time do you have? I'm sorry. No, what's the question? First time starters. Tim Yachtin, not wonderful first out. I have no issue that this horse made the lead and quit first out. Now we're getting second out Yachtin, 15 to 1 with a horse that showed speed. 14% second time out. I, I, this is a logical horse that could take a step forward, and I know has speed turf sprinting. $105,000 son of Mendelssohn, who's turned out to be a fairly good first crop sire as well. I'll give the, the seven a shot at taking a nice step forward, taking this field gate to wire at 15 to 1. Yeah, the Mendelssohn angle is interesting because Mendelssohn, when he very his first runners hit the ground in America, he was terrible as a sire. And we're like, wow, you got to fade him. And then, like, about halfway through the summer, it felt like a switch went off and they started getting experience. Okay, now we're coming back in way. Now we're doing well. So it seemed like his the very early ones, they're skewing, they're hurting his his rankings, uh, his his percentage as a sire. But uh, this feels happy. like a good 
Run Happy <laughs> was atrocious early. Yeah. We made fun of Run Happy early. And Run Happy was pretty good by later in his first season. Um, I didn't use the horse, but the uh, the eight kind of blue. Did you know Morazic was a sire? I had no idea Morazic was standing as a sire. Uh, that is wild, man. $2,000. Not not much of a sire. He's about as good is as Morazic was as a goalie. Oh, uh, it was. It still is, I think. Is he still playing? I don't know. But he's a son of Square Eddie in um, Redham Racing had Square Eddie until he couldn't. He just wasn't producing anymore. So they're trying to capture the magic here. Uh, they're going to need a big old magic wand to want to capture that much magic. So when I'm handicapping Redham Racing horses, if Eddie Freeman has them, don't you just chuck them? So uh, you brought this up earlier. Yeah, it, it depends on the level. So with Redham Racing, their best horses, especially Dirt, Doug O'Neill gets them. The great turf yep. horses, they're usually there. Ben Cecil, ben Cecil will get some good turf horses, and I've, I've, discounted yeah. him. I've discounted him at my own peril before. Eddie Freeman had the horse or has a horse in that um, – had one get claimed away from him in that 16K love race we just talked about. That's where, like, when – when they give him the horses, Redham gives him horses, they're usually meant for like the claiming, like the lower claiming levels. Because Doug O'Neill will still win the big claiming races. The lower ones, that's when you kind of go to Eddie Freeman. So when it's in this situation and knowing who's involved, yes, I'm with you. I would pass on that. And notice that the, Eddie Freeman's a, a breeder of this horse too. Oh. So he must, Eddie Freeman might be the one standing Morazic when you actually look at that. Kind of wild. Anyway, uh, yeah, the, the Redham Racing hierarchy of trainers is interesting because it's part of your handicap when you're in California. Who got the Redham Racing horse and how good are they going to be, especially early on in their career? Oh, shoot. Well, uh, apparently Morazic passed away last year, as a, so no. he had he had two crops. <laughs> That's it. That's why we didn't know. So can I ask you a different question? Of course, please. <laughs> Get me out of this hole. Leonardo Mora. Leandro Mora, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That? That's Doug O'Neill's assistant. Okay, so is Doug O'Neill? Oh yeah, yes, that's right. He's just starting to serve the suspension. Hundred yeah. percent knew that was someone's assistant because, like, in in horse racing, when someone gets suspended, all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, this is not a terrible horse, and it's with a trainer that's never trained anyone before. Oh, okay, we're just we're cheating the system. And it's just the assistant of the trainer that got that got suspended. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And by the way, Leandro Mora was the trainer of record when Golden Sense won one of his Dirt Mile races because Doug O'Neill, wherever they were at, Doug O'Neill was suspended. Um, yeah. He's been the trainer of record for a lot of Doug O'Neill's. That's why uh, he is the one that goes over to Dubai. Leandro Mora has a much higher standing appeal in Dubai than, say, I mean, Doug O'Neill. So, yeah. There you go. I knew you'd That's going to do it. <laughs> that's gonna do this episode of the magic mike show thanks for watching uh we're gonna go ahead and give our tickets one last time here i'll start off i'm gonna go six seven with one five with seven hitting the all button one through nine and then one two five six mike you also have a 72 dollar ticket for 50 cents but a little different structure yeah i'm gonna go one six with two five then three seven eight with one three four seven with one six seven 72 bucks just like magic for 50 cents uh, make sure if you haven't you're checking out dudes who bet daily um, i don't know how the overall week if we managed to bring things back up enough mike but i know that sunday was a big day for us yeah it was awful week uh, i think we ended up like i don't know four and twelve something something ridiculous but we were back in the positive which is nice for the year we had a nice little run going this week just trounced us but we'll be back <laughs> here next week uh yeah 
God. I don't know what to talk about. CFL season is done. Congrats to the Toronto Argonauts. They beat my Winnipeg Blue Bombers. However, congrats to everybody, including Dr. Tang, uh, who bet my bet. Toronto plus six that ended up cashing. It was a hell of a game, too. I don't If you didn't get a chance to watch, it's it, it started as a gimmick. But the, the fact that the game ended with back-to-back blocked field goals at the end of game-winning drives was incredible. Well, I know that our text chain got to the point where like, we were watching the CFL because we all wanted to see how this thing actually played out. It was, it was fun to get involved in that. I'm looking forward to next year. Dudes of Bet Daily Magic going to come back with the CFL. We've got Monday Night Football in Mexico City this week. Uh, you've got the uh, McCoy-led Arizona Cardinals taking on San Francisco. I, I played San Francisco minus seven earlier this week. It's now out to minus ten. I would probably still play San Francisco, but this game is one of those where it's it could get very, very ugly. I would lean toward the under because I don't know how many points uh, Arizona is going to be able to score, and I think San Francisco is going to start grinding out the clock. Uh, you're also at altitude and with a, a not-so-wonderful small grading, so that kind of comes into it as well. feels like these two teams just want to get out of this game, especially if one gives up big. So I, I would lean toward the under, specifically the second half under, if – San Francisco is up big at the half. If you have like 17-3 in the first half, you got 21-3 in the first half, second half under is a definite play because you're going to get a similar number to the first half and you have two unmotivated teams playing in the second half. I got some great stats for you for why you want to play the under. Uh, and the last, 40, last eight games for the 49ers, they're seven, the under is 7-1 and one in games after they've allowed less than 90 yards rushing. Uh, they're 6-1 and one for the under in their last seven games following a straight-up win. That one actually probably matters. And their t- the under is 10-2 and two the last 12 times the 49ers played on grass and not turf. Or uh, Do they still do AstroTurf? Probably not. But not yeah, really. there you go. I, I am still salty about the Niners not covering six and a half last week. Like That was one of the more brutal losses I've taken in a while. Three times inside the five-yard line, they kick a field goal, and they mix extra point. I'm laying six and a half. They win by six. Just a bunch of dicks, man. Come on. I, I, I don't know if I, I can know. handle another primetime Niners game. I don't know if Dr. Tang is talking about the football game tonight or uh, I think Monday's date night in the Tang household. So we're not uh, not quite sure what's going on. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're closing in on, on number two coming out there. The, the bun is in the oven for both uh, Thanksgiving dinner as well as, as the second baby. So Oh, snap. Yeah, he's a couple weeks away. Right, yeah. Number second, right. I believe it is, for uh, for one world, two Tangs. <laughs> Let's get out of here with this question from Dennis Trusty. Uh, if Rich Strike wins the Grade One Clark Stakes at Churchill Downs on Friday, does that make him three-year-old of the year? Hell to the no! <laughs> now the the reason he brings it up, I think this would make him the only male with multiple Grade One dirt route wins. Epicenter kept winning Grade Twos. The Traverse yeah. was his Grade One. The problem is that Rich Strike didn't dance enough dances. To be able to consider horse of the year, or three year old of the year in my mind. Skipping the preakness did him no favors. <laughs> no, it didn't. In and, our opinion. And, and he does, like I think I actually think he probably I would he should be the favorite in the Clark. We'll put it that way. He should be mm-hmm. the favorite in the Clark. Um, but I don't know how you deny Epicenter winning the Travers. So you there you go. You've got the Midsummer Derby versus the Derby. One could argue one was more of a fluke than the other. <laughs> won't go there, but one can make that argument. Um, and then Rich Strike just hasn't danced enough. I mean, you just got to run more of these races if you want to do it, especially when you consider that Epicenter won, uh, won prep races coming into the Derby, ran in the Preakness, ran well, won the Jim Dandy. Like, if Rich Strike had showed up at the Haskell and won the Haskell, then there's a different conversation here. But 
the fact that really all you're hanging your hat on here from Rich Strike perspective is a shitty Churchill Downs race in the Clark that's being run over Thanksgiving week and the Derby. You got nothing else. And that's you need. There's not a, a full enough resume to make the case. I think he deserves to be a finalist. I think he did enough after the Derby to show he he should be with Nest as the finalist, uh, so, but epicenter so by a poll. Based on that argument, shouldn't Taba be a finalist too? Then Taba raced like raced about as many ahead. times as Strike did. Won multiple Grade Ones going on. He to did. I, I forgot. Yeah, he did. And beat and beat Rich Strike in the Classic. You got a second in the Haskell, a win in the Penn Derby, a win in the San Anita Derby, and a third in the Classic. That's a better resume than Rich Strikes. But the Clark will be. It's not against. Uh, the, it's not against great horses because I've seen the field, but it will be against older horses. And there are some people who think that that matters when it comes to voting. I'm not one of them. I think you might have actually. He's gonna if he dominates the Clark. Maybe I'll say he deserves third over Taba, but I, I'm sorry. You're right. Taba with the San Diego Derby and the Pennsylvania Derby and the Breeders' Cup Classic missing second by a head or whatever and the it was. Yeah, Would have won the Haskell if he saw a freaking Cyberknife on the inside. Mm-hmm. Thanks for reminding me of that one. I just, I <laughs> yeah, I know you're right. You know, I don't don't love Baffert, but you got the horse. You got to give credit to. Well, half the races we talked about, Baffert wasn't in charge anyway. So, uh, by the way, Doctor Tang, let us know. Uh, T minus 12 days getting close. And he didn't put it in the chat, but he did text me just now. Uh, they still don't have a name for the sun. So submit your ticket for the late pick five is what we're going to do. If you give out the winning ticket in the comment section below here, you got to do it in the comment on the YouTube channel. Uh, you will be allowed to name Dr. Tang's son when he's born in T minus 12 days. He texted me that. It's all legit. It's on the up and up. So put in your tickets. Comment below. I still think it should be Dr. Tang Jr. <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, we had fun. Dr. Tang Sr. and Dr. Tang Jr. Oh, I thought you meant literally just name him Dr. Like, well, yeah, no, I mean, name him Dr. Yes. And then it could be Dr. Tang Sr. and Dr. Tang Jr., right? Uh, spinoff Tang. There yeah. we go. That's a good yeah. one. All right, cool. Martin's here. Let's get serious. Martin wants to know our best bet for today. Let's do it for tom- today slash tomorrow. Oh, wait, no, tonight. I'm sorry. Monday across Night Football. The board, across the board. I like the Cavs laying the three tonight against the Atlanta Hawks is the best bet. That would be that would be my best bet across. But I, San Francisco minus seven would be that's not available anymore. Um, the under I also think is interesting tonight. But but I like the Cavs tonight at home laying the three against the Hawks. I still like the under. I think this is going to be a gross game, and everybody wants to just get the hell back home out of Mexico. Mexico City is not a bad place, but it is a very far distance for both of these teams, especially San Francisco. So let me check. Uh, thanks. Let me check the touchdown props real fast here, too. I, I think McCaffrey gets the end zone tonight. Let's see. There we go. We'll, uh, we'll pull up some props. Oh, uh, that's Jimmy Garoppolo, Monday Night Football props. McCaffrey uh, to score a touchdown minus 168. That's not wonderful. First touchdown, McCaffrey. Where are you? Where are you? Plus 431. I like that. I'm giving, Give me McCaffrey first touchdown, plus four and a half. There you go. There's your prop. Thanks so much for watching us. Taba Tang <laughs> would have been it if he beat Flightline because, yes, that would have meant Dr. Tang might have won the BCBC. But let us know what you think about it. Thanks so much for joining us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellowart. He is at Summerbomb18, number one, number eight. Uh, corporate Overlords at Race underscore Dudes. What's your point, Nat? Oh, you're just pointing at your, uh, at your username there. 
I thought there was a, like another comment that was there. Martin, by the way, I'll do this. Martin says he likes the over in the Atlanta game there. So there you go. Good luck to you, Martin. Good luck to everybody playing until Friday when we'll be back to for a weekend show. Enjoy Thanksgiving. I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Gobble, gobble. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.